Hello, my name is Claire and you are listening to the Hypno Birthing Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. I hope that you are all doing good. I have a couple of things to just quickly mention. The first is that my book, The Little Book of Positive Birth Stories, is now out and available to buy. I have mentioned this before, but it is basically a book full of positive birth stories, kind of what it says on, on the tin, really. Um, you can get a copy from Amazon or directly through my website. I will leave a link to both in the show notes. Secondly, from the beginning of 2024, I will be offering my doula services and basically all of the info for the packages I'll be offering is now on my website. I'll be covering the Essex area in person, but I'm also offering virtual doula support as well. So again, I will leave a link below where you can find out more information and get in touch if you are interested. And also linked below are all of my upcoming course dates as well. Today's episode is going to be fairly short and sweet, but it's on a topic which is very important. And actually, this was a requested topic from a listener. So today I want to talk to you about what happens if your waters break pre-labor. So it's called pre-labor rupture of membranes and surges don't start basically straight away. So what happens if the waters go and your surges don't start? Just to caveat this by saying that despite what we see on TV, most labors actually don't start with the waters breaking. So I know that we are so used to every single time there is a birth on television, usually it starts with the waters breaking and normally somewhere really inconvenient, normally a lot of water and normally they go straight into hospital, don't they? But actually only around 10% of people will experience their waters breaking first, with 90% of people experiencing their waters breaking during, or in very rare cases, after their labor. So for most people, this is not going to be something which is anything that you need to think about at the time. But as with everything, it's always worth being informed and knowing what could happen and kind of what you might want to do if this does happen. Also, all of this information is for those who are 37 plus weeks pregnant. So for those who are at term. Okay, so for the 10% of people whose water does break first, most of these will experience surges shortly afterwards. But for some people, surges don't start straight away. And this is what I want to talk to you about. So the typical hospital guidelines for this, if it happens, is to invite you into the hospital to assess if it is the waters that have gone. And if it is, then usually they will ask you back within the next 24 hours to start an induction unless your surges have started by that time. The reason given for this is that once the waters have gone, there is an increase in risk to the baby. And so better to get the baby out via an induced labor, basically. So I want to give you all a bit of clarity on this so that you can make an informed choice about what is best for you if this situation does occur. So firstly, at every point, every choice and decision is up to you as always. The NICE guidelines, so NICE stands for the National Institute of Clinical Excellence and they are what governs our maternity system here in the UK. So the NICE guidelines would recommend that if your waters break 
and surges don't start, you contact the hospital to basically let them know that your waters have broken. And as per their guidelines, if you have any concerns, then you should go into the hospital immediately. So just to break down what any of these concerns could be. So let's say the waters go and you are feeling concerned because there is potential meconium in the water. So meconium is your baby's first poo. And sometimes it can be done in the waters. So if you you notice that the waters look discolored or maybe they have a funny smell, then that can be a sign that there's meconium in them. Um, So that can be one reason why you might go immediately to the hospital. Some other reasons, a change in baby movement, any vaginal bleeding, continuous abdominal pain, feeling just generally unwell. If you are group B strep positive, um, if the baby is breech or transverse, or if you have a low lying placenta, those are some reasons why you would want to go into the hospital immediately if the waters break and there are no surges. If all's well and you don't have any of these concerns, then the guideline is that you would go into the hospital within 12 hours to be assessed. Again, just to kind of, I'm going to probably say this the whole way through this episode, these are all just guidelines. They are suggestions. You do not have to do any of this stuff. You can stay at home. You don't have to go in. You don't have to be assessed. It is up to you. As per the NICE guidelines as well, an assessment should actually be offered to be carried out at your home at a midwife-led unit or an obstetric unit. So you actually do not have to go into the hospital to be assessed. It actually is written into the guidelines that they should offer to do an assessment at home. So just giving you that information, just so that you have it and that you know what the NICE guidelines say. Okay, so what are these risks? Like what is this risk we talk about to the baby when the waters have gone. So the risk is of an infection basically, and it can be quite a serious infection to the baby, but I just kind of want to talk you through it so that you understand sort of a little bit more about the the stats behind it. So for everybody, for everyone, the risk of an infection to your baby while your waters are intact is 0.5%. So everybody actually carries that risk all the time. Once the waters go, this risk increases to 1%. So it does increase. And also it is thought that the risk may continue to increase. So if your waters break for the first 24 hours, it goes up to 1% and then kind of it keeps increasing after every 24 hours until sort of baby's born. But the NICE guidelines don't actually state by how much it does increase. Some things that you can do to limit the risk as much as possible is to avoid any vaginal examinations until surges start, if you want them anyway at that point, and also to avoid sex. So anything that is kind of going up near your cervix obviously has the potential to introduce infection. So those are some things that you can do to limit that increase even further. So just to kind of talk you through the the figure again, The risk to the baby goes from 0.5%, which is a risk everyone carries at all times, and it goes up to 1% once the waters go. So using the brain tool, so benefits, risks, alternatives, instinct, and nothing, assess this risk and decide, is this increase acceptable or not to you? It's still very minimal, 
even at one percent that is still quite a minimal risk if you if you flip that and think actually there's a 99% chance that none of that's going to happen that everything's going to be okay that might help you kind of see it differently but risk is very personal and so you know it's going to be individual to everybody so you use that brain tool and decide if you yourself are happy to accept it or, or not if not, then you'll most likely want to accept the offer of induction. And if it is okay with you, then you don't have to do anything other than kind of wait for your surges to start. Most babies will recover completely following treatment of this infection, but very rarely it can be fatal. So just to give you a figure of that as well, one in 1500 will be fatal. That is actually a percentage of 0.06%. So again, it's a very tiny figure. But as I've said, it's all very personal. So just to give you the figures so that you're aware of them and so that you know if you are accepting potential increase in risk to the baby, you know kind of if it were to happen what the figure then is that, you know, baby would actually be fine. 60% of those people who have pre-labor rupture of membranes will go into labor within 24 hours. So it's most likely labor will start on its own, but you do have options if this doesn't happen. My main advice for all of you is firstly, do a hypnobirthing course. Um, it's always helpful for information, but also is to read about induction. There are three books that I recommend. The first one, Why Induction Matters by Rachel Reed. There's another book called Inducing Labour, which is by Sarah Wickham. And then there's a third book called In Your Own Time, which is also by Sarah Wickham. They're all useful and extremely informative. And even if induction isn't something that ends up happening, it's so worth getting informed about because at the very least, it is usually a conversation for most people. Hopefully this has been helpful. You can find the nice guidelines online which talk about this subject. So I'll link those in the show notes as well. As I said, the nice guidelines are what governs our maternity system. And sometimes it can take years for the most recent research to kind of filter down and end up in our hospital policies. So the most up-to-date information and research will be found in the NICE guidelines, even if your hospital are not yet referring to it. Hopefully that makes sense. So the NICE guidelines are up-to-date with their information, but it can sometimes take years for hospitals to write those new guidelines into their policies. So they may be working off outdated evidence and policies if you see what I mean so always if you're not sure refer to the NICE guidelines to see what they say on a subject um, because that will be the most up-to-date information thank you all so much for listening I hope this has been helpful I feel like this has been like a bit of a TED talk um, I'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode <laughs>